we're back with another exciting episode. And today uh, we are continuing on with the Best Picture nominees in the Academy Awards. Uh, so yeah, Paige, what did we watch? We watched All Quiet on the Western Front. And how did we watch it? We watched it on Netflix. Yes, we did. So if any of you guys uh, are looking to watch that one, but you don't know how to watch it, it is a Netflix exclusive film. Um, so yeah. Overall, what did we think? We have a lot of thinks about this one. Yeah. Uh, I would say very, very good. Yes. Overall, a fantastic Very, very, movie. very heavy. Yes. Um, I... I think this might be, like, one of the heaviest war movies I've ever seen. Um, yeah. Up there with Saving Private Ryan. 1917. Do you think 1917 was that heavy of a war movie? It was stressful. It was definitely stressful. But, like, I feel like outside of just watching... I, I do think there are a few moments where they're having to like crawl around dead bodies towards the beginning. Like they're having to like cross no man's land at one point, one of them like slips and falls or something happens and his hand like goes into a corpse mm -hmm. and it's like really gross and stuff. But other than that, I feel like there's one major death in the entirety of 1917. And outside of that, it's really just stress. Whereas I feel like all quiet is full of really difficult deaths to watch. Yes. Um, Saving Private Ryan, bunch of difficult deaths to watch. Um, all there's... quiet does not in any way, shape, or form glorify war. Yeah. Like a no. lot of war movies do. Yeah. I feel like there are a few different uh, varieties of war film. Some that are like, this actually happened. People actually did it. And it's truly inspiring what they did and they're heroes and we should appreciate everything that they did. And, and I'm fine with those movies. You know, I, I love, um, I love 13 hours. Um, I, uh, I would say saving private Ryan, but I'm pretty sure that's a pretty fictitious story. Um, but, uh, American sniper, really, really good. Uh, mm -hmm. lone survivor, very, very good. Lone Survivor, I would say, is another one of those very heavy war movies, um, along with American Sniper. Um, but I, st I still think that uh, All Quiet's probably heavier. Yes. This is not um, a family-friendly film. Yeah. It is not a movie you should just let your children click on oh, as they're on Netflix. No. Which I feel like if it's a Netflix original... More often than not, it seems like it's going to go pretty damn hard. Mm -hmm. I mean, there may be like some Netflix original. Uh, I, I feel like the uh, Madagascar King Julian show is a Netflix original. That's fine, obviously. But I feel like a lot of times if it's um, like a, a. If it seems like there's any chance it could be a serious toned story. It's probably going to be way too adult for children. Yeah. Um, this is adapted from a book. Yes. I have not read the book. And apparently I've heard that it's a remake. Like someone has already adapted it. Yeah. So. Which I haven't seen that one either. Yeah. Um, growing up, I heard a song called All Quiet on the Western Front. But I don't think it has any uh, relation to this story. But I don't know. Well, and this book was written in like 1929 or something. Oh, was it? Wow. And I had read that at one point uh, around World War II, that book was actually banned in Germany by Hitler and the Nazis Oh. for painting German soldiers in a poor light. Leave it to Hitler to do things I disagree with. Yeah. Yeah. I was... Kind of a tool. Kind of an asshole. Yeah. Um, Don't at me for saying that, but the guy was a bit of a douche. I think most people will agree with us on that yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. And his sense in facial hair, coming from a man with facial hair, he didn't have it. Your facial hair is way better. She, I feel like anyone's facial hair is way better. <laughs> I've seen middle schoolers with better facial hair. Um, we digress. Yeah. Um. 
So jumping into the movie. Yep. I will fully admit that I don't really know the politics behind World War One. Yeah, I keep feeling like I, I remember feel them like from I've school. Googled it before, mm-hmm. but for some reason, it just doesn't stick in my brain. The only thing that sticks in my brain when you say World War One is trench warfare. Yeah. Like, yeah. I truly cannot tell you which side of the war every country was on. Yeah. I I did remember uh, at the end of the movie, um, kind of spoilers, but it's not even really a plot point. Um, but it talks about how the whole no man's land thing. So just an absolute shitload of lives were lost. And in the end of the war, the line dividing, like uh, which countries had which land, that line had been pushed like maybe a couple hundred feet. Yeah. And it was insane. Yeah, just so many lives lost. 17 million in order to gain lives nothing. lost. 17 Some, million? Something Isn't like that what that, it said? Yeah. Insane. Um, yeah. World War One was absolutely barbaric yeah um and and just the the way and it really puts it on display in this movie but the way it's like this isn't working this is a terrible idea as soon as anyone gets out of a trench it's so easy to see them and it's so easy to mow them down and the leaders are like we don't have any other better ideas do it anyway it's just what the fuck yeah and I've been thinking since we watched this movie. So it's been a couple of days since mm-hmm. we watched it. And I've been mulling it over because the credits roll and you're just like, holy shit. Yeah. This movie hits hard. And I was trying to figure out what was so different about it. Because like I've seen 1917. I've seen other movies about trench warfare. And I think there's a few things. I think, I think one of a few things too. the big things is that we don't often see the German side of yeah. things yeah. when That's it comes to World War One. Definitely true. So, you know, we see these young German kids that are full of patriotic hopes and dreams, and they think that war is going to be this big, grand adventure. And, you know, they enlist, they get their uniforms, and then they're shipped out to the front lines but like getting to the front lines is a battle because cars are new and even if you have cars or vehicles there's not roads to drive them on so you have to walk yeah to get to the front lines yeah and then you know you just see as these hopes and dreams the first night are just crushed around them as they're sitting in that bunker that's like being demolished on top of them and just like all the things that they have to go through. Yeah. And like, as soon as shit hits the fan at all, one of the main characters friends immediately is like, fuck this. I want to go home. I want to go. And he starts freaking out and yeah. Um, and it is not what the propaganda had promised them at all. Yeah. And you kind of see during the movie, too, that, like, the German leaders are insane. Yeah. And these German leaders are not the ones that are carrying out the orders. Yeah. It's these small guys on the front lines. And I think that applies to and so they many just wars. Don't Most wars. You get to see that they didn't necessarily believe in it. Because, mm-hmm. you know, at the end, I guess spoiler warnings up. Um, at the end, after they were promised, like, hey, the war's ending at 11 o'clock. Like, we're done fighting. You're going home. And then that German leader is just like, nope. We're doing one more attack. And you can just see in Paul's eyes, just like. He has no more fucks left to give. Yeah, he doesn't. He's like, he I'm literally he's only just... here because this guy is telling me to be here. Like, I don't want to be here. Mm. I've lost everything. Yeah. And it 
the look in his eyes, it really does make me wonder. Um, so, yeah, spoiler warning. Uh, We're just diving in, so. Yeah. Um, but if you haven't seen it, what I am about to say is a major, major spoiler. So if you're on the fence, now's the time. Um, but yeah, so at the end, he dies. He dies in the in very, the literal last very, minute of the war. Yeah, uh, right before the official like ceasefire happens. And if he had lived, the look in his eyes, I I am really really curious. Could he have gone home and gotten back into life and like found? I don't think he could yeah, have. Yeah, like he really does just seem so dead inside. And maybe it was more of a um, he almost made his emotions hibernate just so that he could like. You just kind of um, have to numb yourself. Yeah, and then you know, if he had survived, he would have like reawoken emotionally. But it really does kind of seem like if he hadn't died, he wasn't destined for a good life again. No. He he. Really... Even though Cat had said, "Go to school, you have mm-hmm. so much potential." Like, yeah. I don't think that what he went through in the war would have allowed him to live a normal life yeah i don't think that you can just suppress that yeah that i feel like would be a very interesting movie to make um because i feel like with the stories that come out of especially world war ii it's just anyone who served and especially anyone who survived was a hero and and everything they did was honorable and everything they did was heroic and everything they did was was good and great and yeah but there's no way everyone came out of world war ii without ptsd however everyone came out of world war ii before we knew about ptsd yep and so and that was I, not a time in the world where mental health yeah was studied yeah. or assisted in any way and it wasn't a time in history where you really got uh permission to complain about it oh absolutely. and i feel like if someone wanted to make and it was probably movie, even worse with world war one yeah oh yeah and so yeah i feel like if someone were to make a movie like if if there was a parallel film or something where paul survives making a movie about uh, someone living post World War One with PTSD, but long before there would be any assistance for it, but could still having imagine? to le- live with the repercussions. That could be a really interesting film. Just the things that these soldiers saw in World War One. Yeah, because like war now is very different. Oh, like back then, yeah. they were in trenches. If you mm-hmm. stick your head up, you get shot. You have to have a bayonet on your rifle, mm-hmm. like. It's so barbaric. And it just... It, it's ugh. still barbaric now, like, just in different ways. In different ways. Yeah. But like, there was that one scene where he's in kind of the ditch with the French soldier that he like tried to kill, but then tried to save. Mm-hmm. And just seeing him realize like, this death is on me. Yeah. I caused this. I had to watch the life slip out of that other human being and then realize that that human being had a wife and a kid. And just the realities of war and the choices that you made during that war, I think would be more than enough to break the strongest man. Yeah. Uh, it, very similarly, there's that moment in uh, 1917 where the plane crashes and the guy, the yeah. pilot's on fire and they pull him out and they save him. And he turns around and stabs the one. Mm-hmm. And as soon as the one gets stabbed, the other guy just blows the pilot away. Mm-hmm. Just absolutely obliterates him. And it's like, yeah, in that moment, even though there was a war going on, we were in a vacuum where it mm-hmm. was the three of us and we were willing to help you. And you totally threw that option away so yeah fuck you you're dead (laughs) like and in this it shows sort of the reverse of that where uh main characters like i was too quick 
to act in a in a wartime mindset and i regret it now and i wish i could take it back yeah i i think both of those scenes are, are really good like just juxtapositions or yeah. um they stand in beautiful contrast to each other um, I, yeah i feel like this film did a great job with humanizing the soldiers yeah because i think it's so easy for everybody in the world to look at germany and be like those were the bad guys. Germany's always the bad guy. Mm. But you've got this other viewpoint in this movie, which I think is one of the things that makes it the most powerful emotion builder of the film. I also really, I don't know if liked is the best word, but appreciated the, I'm going to use juxtaposition again, of the leaders yeah. And the troops. Yeah. Because you see the leaders on that train and it's immaculate. It's, you know, blue velvets and just all of the fanciest things. They have breakfast. They have tea. They have all of the things. And these oh, the men. Bathroom. Yeah. These men are well fed. Mm -hmm. Some of them are even fat. Yeah. And they're the ones that are making these decisions that they do I don't think even realize what it means for the people who have to carry it out. Yeah. And I, I found it very intriguing mm -hmm. to see that side of it as well. It really, really added to the movie. Like, uh, I, I wasn't consciously picking up on it, uh, early in the movie, but right at the very end, I, I can't remember exactly what cut between what, but there was just this moment where I'm, I'm staring at the trenches and the, you know, shitting in a pit and like sitting on just like a wood beam. Um, and, and that's when you're lucky enough to be out of the trenches. Yeah. And then, uh, when the, they find all those guys that took off their masks too soon yeah, after the gas, all they, the just, young kids. they find this room full of dead bodies. And at some point during, all of that it cuts to the train and yeah these guys if you want to write something you you open your ink cartridge thing and you dip your fancy pen in there and, and you sit there and think and and you take a minute to consider how best to word what you want to say and then you write it down and it's just everything's so slow nothing you're not in danger so you have time to just you know, how, how best to do this and stuff like that. There's a, uh, the first time we see uh, Daniel Bruhl, who did a phenomenal job in this movie, uh, but Daniel Bruhl plays uh, Baron Zemo in the Marvel Universe. He's in uh, Inglorious Bastards. Um, but yeah, he does such a good job in this movie. And uh, the first time you see him, he gets up, he goes to the bathroom and the train sort of like, starts to slow down so it, it jolts a little bit and he ends up getting a little bit of pee on his shoe and he looks down and he's like, oh damn it Ugh. and it's it's gross and you know he, he peed on his foot and he tries to wipe it off and it's so insane that like the stuff that people just casually live through in most of this movie and then this thing that's like such a tiny it, Every other character in this movie wouldn't even notice if there was piss on their shoe because they're standing. That would be the cleanest puke. thing yeah. on their shoe. And, but at the same time, because of the life that Daniel Brule is living, because of the day that he's having a bit of piss on your shoe, that's enough to matter. And it's it's so incredible, like putting those two things right next to each other. But yeah, everyone you were talking about on that train is just like taking everything for granted and yada yada yada. And then there's a moment where they're sort of debating what to do. And Daniel Bruhl makes it known that he had a son that already died on the front lines. And so then you kind of realize that while all of these men are those very high born, there was never any chance that any of them were going to serve on the front lines because they were born into such a ludicrous amount of, of uh, privilege. Mm -hmm. Daniel Bruhl Although he may not have ever seen the front lines, his he's son did. Affected. And so, yeah, he still has a direct connection to it. And so he's actually considering 
not what this war means for the two countries, but what this war means for the millions and millions of 18, 19, 20, 21 year olds and, you know, older than that. But like these young, young men on the front lines, that's who he's considering when he's making these negotiations i really thought that was phenomenally well told i did really was like world war one the deadliest war Ugh. i know not for america obviously um from what i understand the civil war uh the amount of casualties from the civil war alone if you take the amount of casualties of just american lives and like take every other war and add them all up we lost more americans during the civil war okay than every other war combined i think another interesting thing about world war 1 that this showed mm-hmm. was the use of new technologies mm-hmm. like tanks dude and flamethrowers mm-hmm. like these things had never been seen before could yeah. you imagine being down in a trench and having a fucking tank drive over you like what the hell yeah so there was um you can just see the absolute terror in these kids faces as they watch this and then as they're like burned to a crisp by flamethrowers yeah like um it's insane yeah growing up playing video games and stuff it i mean they are definitely done with more of the uh people who serve in in wars or, or heroes and stuff like that and really glorifies it all. But um, I remember back in the early Call of Duty games. So before Call of Duty 4, Modern Warfare, uh, all of the Call of Duties were World War II. And there were mm. missions where you're playing the story and you're in the trenches and all of a sudden your sergeants or generals or whatever are like, everybody down, everybody down. And you have to lay down on the ground and tanks roll over you and i do remember just that like suddenly seeing this tank roll over the character i was playing as and having that moment of like oh shit that is scary that yeah and then in this movie it's like oof i remember those call of duty days (laughs) um but yeah and before the tanks officially show up there's that moment where uh, they've found like the sort of pantry, the French pantry. Yeah. And all of a sudden they like everything starts rumbling, but then the rats run away. Yeah. That moment where the rats run away. It was like, I don't know what's coming, but I know it's fucking terrifying because the rats know to get the hell out of Dodge. Like, I thought that was so well done. Um, yeah. Gosh, this movie is so well done. Yeah. One thing that we talked about after we watched it was the sound of the like, I don't know if it was a tuba or what it was. Yeah, there's like one main uh, three note piece uh, for the score. it is very effective um i know this movie is up for best original score and just on those three notes i'm kind of hoping it takes it yeah so um i guess we probably should have covered this earlier but this film was nominated for nine oscars yeah uh so it's up for best international feature film because i don't know if we mentioned this earlier this is a German film. Yeah. yeah. Um, it is dubbed into English. It's also subtitled in English. The two don't always match. Yeah, they are two different but, translations, which I've seen a lo- in, in several different movies. So Yeah. But, you know, fair warning if you're going to watch it, it's going to... The uh, words and the lips are not going to match up unless you speak German and you want to watch it in German. Yeah. Um, it's also nominated for makeup and hairstyling, 
Um, it's nominated for uh, original score, best sound, visual effects, uh, best picture, adapted screenplay, cinematography, and production design. Yeah, and all of those things are very, very, very well, done. well deserved. Um, production design. Uh, what exactly does production design mean? It's. Um, Is it like sets? It's sets. Um, yeah, costumes are different. Well, I feel like production design can affect costumes now and then. Um, but yeah, it's mostly decorating the sets uh i think that may kind of fall into filming on location at times okay um but yeah just just making sure it looks accurate and authentic to the the source material or the story being told so like for something like this the set needs to look um period appropriate whereas for a lord of the rings movie everything in gondor needs to look like it belongs in Gondor and everything in right. Mordor mm-hmm. needs to look like it belongs in Mordor. So with us liking that like electronic tuba sound or mm-hmm. whatever it was, would that be part of score? Yeah. Not sound, right? Yeah. Because it's would... nominated for both. Right. That would definitely be score. Because okay. sound is more like sound effects, right? Yeah, that is those are things that the the um characters can hear those are sounds that are happening gotcha. inside the story whereas score is the music in the background um so yeah that for me every time we would hear those three notes it uh oftentimes reminded me of jaws the oh yeah mm-hmm. and just those two notes happen and you know the shark is nearby and with this, the those three notes, you kind of know that the dangers of war are nearby or something. Um, so, yeah, very, very impressed, at least with that portion of the score. Yeah. I feel like it's very deserving of all of the nominations it received. Yeah. It's also up against some very heavy hitters in the same categories. Yeah. So I will be very interested to see exactly what awards what it, t- walks it takes. Away with. Yeah. I think it's probably a shoe in for international. Yeah. Um. But I don't know. Other than that, we have a goal to watch all of the uh, best picture nominees and some other big movies before the Oscars happen. Mm-hmm. Uh. So we'll also release an episode closer to the Oscars, kind of discussing what we think. Just the categories and nominees in general? Yeah. Yeah. We started getting into that uh, last episode, two episodes ago. I think it was last episode. But um, yeah, we'll we'll dedicate a whole another episode in and of itself to just that discussion, um, which I'm I'm looking forward to. Same. Um, We've got a lot of movies to watch between do. now we and do. then, but, um, but we hopefully have we'll be educated enough to yeah to bring you guys along on the journey. Mm-hmm. Um, just as a, a heads up, a little bit of a you know um, preview of what's to come in that episode where we are just talking about uh, Oscar nominees in general. Uh, I'm gonna bitch about the Batman not getting nominated for more. So. So, so you know, stay tuned for stay that. Stay tuned, yeah. If you hate that the Batman didn't get the recognition it deserved to, tune in. Um, yeah. Oh my gosh, there's so much about All Quiet that I want to talk about. Oh, oh my gosh. The first scene, we follow a soldier into battle that seems like he's going to be the main character. And then he fucking dies. And you see his body get discarded. And then his clothes are taken off of him specifically his coat and they get sent away and there are seamstresses who just take every bit of clothing that are taken off of dead soldiers and they sew them back together and then our main character paul 
he signs up and he's getting all of his shit and then uh, they hand him his his uniform and he starts to walk away and he sees this tag has the name of another soldier. Oh, I think this belongs to someone already. And he's already. like, oh, someone already has this. And the guy just goes, oh, shoot, I'm sorry. Uh, must not have been the right size for him. And he rips off the tag and Paul's like, oh, okay. And he happily walks away, excited to go to war. And the guy just drops the tag and you can see there's like 10 other tags already on the floor. It was such an incredibly clear and morbid piece of imagery. Yeah, it was very so well effective. Done. Yeah. Um, just the, the way the government kind of knows we can't really care or respect the lives that have already been lost. They're just numbers. Yeah. Like They're literally not even people. let them be yesterday's news oh um yeah i thought that was incredible i thought uh the fact that paul goes to war with three friends Mm -hmm. so we have a group of four people and then one of them gets picked off very quickly yeah the guy with the glasses yeah um who i thought looked so much like tom felton oh yeah um and then throughout the movie we do lose the other three. However, in that time, but you time, pick up Cat. We gain and Cat and uh, the other guy. Uh, the his, guy that ends up stabbing his throat. Yeah, his name starts with like a P F, like a T J or something. Yeah, something like that. Um, so yeah, um, the Paul keeps making these like close connections with fellow soldiers, so that when certain deaths occur, it matters to you as an audience because it matters to Paul. And he wasn't even supposed to be in the war. Yeah. He lied on his card mm-hmm. in order to fight. Yeah. Um, Which is very common. Yeah. Or was very common back mm-hmm. then. Uh, I had a grandfather who did that for World War II. Yeah. Um, um, didn't, so... didn't lie about his age, but... But um, Steve Rogers did the same thing. Yeah. Well, he tried. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he kept getting caught. He's like, yeah, I'm perfectly healthy. And they're like, you've got asthma out the ass. He's <laughs> like, yeah, I'm, I'm 6'2". And they're like, you're 5'1", dumbass. I just um, feel like, so this movie, it made you love Paul. Because yeah. you're like, this dude has been through literal hell about a million times. Every waking moment of his war experience is hell. Yeah. And then you get to the end and you're like, oh, he's going to make it. Yeah. And then he gets fucking stabbed through the back by a French soldier in the last minute of the war. So he just has to stumble out of the little bunker thing and just watch as the hell that he's lived through finally comes to an end. Yeah. But that he can't reap those rewards that he fought so fucking hard for. Um, and it is so heartbreaking to me. And that like coming full circle thing was also really amazing because uh, Paul's like first day in the war they're they're all in that bunker the bunker collapses and stuff and as soon as uh one of the generals or something ensures that uh paul is is okay they, like, and, pull the beams off him yeah they're like are, are you okay can you stand can you walk um are you you know physically all right and he's like yeah i think i'm okay it's like okay well then go collect dog tags and he has to go around and and take the dog tags off of all the dead soldiers and he ends up finding a friend of his and it's really really hard for him and then in that final scene he's just barely had a bit of a connection with a brand new soldier so he gets stabbed and then it just cuts to that new soldier who has survived and someone's like are you okay are you able to stand are you able to walk yada 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 and he's like yeah i think i'm good okay then go collect dog tags. And he does exactly what Paul did at the beginning. And then he finds Paul and it affects him just like Paul finding his friend did 
in that first scene. It's really, really a um, nice parallel and kind of um, bookend bookend, but also just this like war is just kind of always the same bullshit. And yeah, um, really, really amazing. And when that kid first um, like arrives in war, he just crosses paths with Paul. Paul just takes one look at him and knows this kid is really green, doesn't know anything. Well, that kid looks like he's 12. Yeah, it just like Paul did when he arrived. Yeah. And so um, he's just doing stuff like, you know, he gets off a truck and his helmet falls. and He's stumbling over to get it. And as soon as he has it, Paul just grabs him and just forces him to, to walk so that he's not getting made fun of, not getting yelled at, not, you know, um, putting a target on his back. And then some other shit happens and Paul just sort of has this like, this kid isn't ready for it. Just push him along so that he doesn't have to face some of the stuff that he inevitably will. But hopefully he doesn't have to go through it today yet. And uh, yeah, just watching Paul interact with that kid was really, really, I knew we only had a few minutes left in the movie. You could kind of feel it. And just watching him interact with that kid was like, oh my gosh, what a phenomenal way to end this movie. Something that I love about this film is that you can tell that everything about it was so intentional from the director. Every mm. The way every frame was shot, the way characters interacted with each other, just everything about it. There was not a single minute of that movie that felt phoned in. Yeah. And it just shows that this director is masterful at his craft. Yeah. And knows how to use every part of a film to tell a story. Because from such little shots of the you know, tags on the floor under the table as they're getting their uniforms to um, him coming out of the bunker just covered in shit. Yeah. Literally everything. And then uh, during the scene in the ditch that we talked about earlier Uh where he kills the guy, um, during that scuffle at some point his, I think his face is pressed against the mud or something. So the entire rest of that scene Half his face is just like caked in, not just like covered in a layer of dirt, but it's like a centimeter thick of just mud. And as the scene plays out, it's drying. Mm-hmm. So that once, you know, the soldier dies, it's been several minutes since his face was pressed up against it. And that mud is like, it's not coming off now. Like it's solidly on his face. Yeah, that. Uh, that's one thing that I feel like could really give this movie a step up for uh, makeup is just the attention to detail on how dirty are they? What are they dirty with? How long has it been since they got dirty originally? How, uh, like, if they drank water, how does that affect the dirty around mm-hmm. their lips specifically? How If they wiped, does that, you know... Um, does if that leave a streak in the mud? Yeah. Or is it too thick? What was on their hand when they wiped? Now that needs to match mm-hmm. three shots later if we didn't film on the same day. All of that, I could definitely see that um, being calculated into. Absolutely, yeah. it could. Sorry, I totally cut you off with... Uh, no, that's perfect. Um, just, this movie is incredible. Yeah. And I don't know that I can watch it again. Yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah, every once in a while there are those movies where it's like, I love that movie. It's really, really fantastic. Oh, yeah? Do you want to watch it? Nope. Never nope. again. No, I do not. Um, I thought for a long time I was going to be that way with Whiplash. I really fucking love Whiplash, and I've seen it several times now. Um, I do kind of feel like I never get to a or I really hope I never get to a point where I'm like, you know what? It's been a few years really want to relive all quiet um because yeah it is rough in a gross way um 
Like, and there's at least one moment where uh, you see all these guys and they're uh, right on the edge of no man's land. They've, they've got their guns um, perched on, on the uh, top of the trench and the cameras are just kind of passing each one of them. And this one guy, I guess, gets sick with something. So he's like looking down oh, his sights yeah. and he just turns around, pukes into the just water. The trench. Yeah, just into that brown, muddy, whatever at the bottom of the trench. Just what? Goes back to looking down his sight. And no one's like, hey, G- Gustav, are you okay? <laughs> like, everyone's just like. Ain't nobody got time for that. Someone's puking again. And it's just, like, that's just how it was. Ugh. Fuck that. Yeah. I would recommend, if you can handle war movies and heavy movies, mm-hmm. definitely watch this it's one. It's one of it the is best I've ever seen, yeah. worth the watch a million percent. Yeah. But it, it'll stick with you. I yeah. still have not been able to stop thinking about this movie in the couple of days since we watched it. Yeah. Um... So, not getting into this too much, but uh, back-to-back days, we watched this on Sunday, and then on Monday, we watched Banshees of Inishirin. Not going to get too That's going to be our next episode. Yeah, that's going to be our next episode, so I'll let that be its own thing. However, it is really insane to me, and I keep thinking about how All Quiet is such a well-told story, such a profoundly important message, um, and such a large-scale film with so many different moving pieces and stuff, and the fact that it's having to compete against something as small and intimate as Banshees Banshees is really insane and weird to me. I feel like that about a lot of these Best Picture nominees. Like... Like, if I have, like, Excuse me. a really, really nice motorcycle, like a Ducati, and someone's like, man, is that as good a vehicle as this jet? Like, what? How? Why, why are we... I it's, feel like it's, it's going to be hard to compare a lot of these Best Picture nominees. Yeah. Because so many of them are, like, apples and oranges. Mm-hmm. I do Because, like, think... you have giant ones, like... Avatar and Top Gun. Yeah, yeah. And those are more like popcorn. We want to sell this to the masses. Yeah. And then there's a bunch of other movies that are like, no, we want to make a piece of art that maybe only a few people truly appreciate. Yeah. And it's really weird putting those right next to each other. Um, I'm very intrigued as we watch through all of these Best Picture nominees to just really get a bigger picture of what exactly this category is looking like. Yeah. Because, so as we were looking through nominees, um, most of the Best Picture nominees are also nominated for a bunch of other things. So watching those will get us the majority of the big nominations. Mm -hmm. Uh, We will also probably watch The Whale because that also got nominated for a lot. It did not get nominated for Best Picture. Uh, but I'm very intrigued to go on this best picture journey as we are on our road to the Oscars. Yeah. Something that, um, I think it was my dad that, that, uh, said this a couple years ago. Um, but at the same time, I'm, I'm sure a lot of people have said this now and again, but, uh, I remember him complaining about how, I want to say this conversation took place around 2010 or something. Um, But he started complaining about how it felt like more recent best picture winners didn't seem as iconic or memorable as best picture winners used to be. And just like looking back through the years of best picture, there are movies um, that maybe I haven't, seen them and maybe they're not widely talked about all the time but they're referenced regularly and i've pulled up a photo and from what i'm seeing it seems like all of these are in fact uh best picture winners 
But things like uh, Platoon. I've definitely heard people discuss mm-hmm. Platoon. Or What year was that? Uh, I don't know. It's just showing posters. Oh, um, okay. We've got Rain Man. Um, not a lot of people talk about Rain Man, but plenty of people reference Rain Man. Dances with Wolves. Um, okay, Silence of the Lambs. People do talk about Silence of the Lambs. Mm-hmm. Uh, Schindler's List. People talk about Schindler's List. Forrest, Forrest Gump. Gump. Braveheart. Yeah. Um, I'm with you now. I have the yeah, list up. Titanic. Um, Gladiator. Uh, okay. A Beautiful Mind. A Beautiful Mind. Fuck this a Beautiful Mind. This is a mind. sore yeah. Yeah. subject in the Ross house. But even then, I feel like when you think about what was nominated against A Beautiful Mind, people talk about Fellowship of the Ring a fuck of a lot more than they talk about A Beautiful you Mind. You need to watch A Beautiful Mind. I do need to watch mind. A Beautiful Mind. I do need to watch A Beautiful Mind. And this goes into another argument that i constantly get into that i wish somehow and i recognize it's it's difficult to uh give this award out the year that a movie comes out but acknowledging and recognizing the cultural impact that a movie has lord of the rings uh fellowship of the ring had a bigger cultural impact and was a really well-crafted film and A Beautiful Mind really doesn't get talked about that much anymore. I feel like it gets referenced a lot. Uh, maybe. Not nearly as much as Fellowship, though. Okay. Okay. But, um, but like, Chicago... Return of the King won it. And it feels... That was kind of for, like, the trilogy, yeah, right? exactly. Which, yes, the trilogy deserved it. But in a trilogy where all three of those movies, it doesn't really feel like there's a weak link. That's fucking insane. The Lord of the Rings trilogy is such an incredible feat in filmmaking. It's unbelievable. Anyways, uh, Million Dollar Baby. People talk about Million Dollar Baby. Um, but then you have things like, uh, I, I feel like now that a few years have gone by, um, Nobody talks about Slumdog Millionaire. Not a lot. Nobody don't, talks don't about No it. Country for Old Men. I, I know a lot of people that Nobody talk talks about, about Hurt Locker. Yeah. No one talks about Hurt Locker. Nobody talks nope. about The Departed. I talk about The Departed. But yeah, like I hear what you're saying. Crash is one that I'm pretty sure the night it won, people were like, dude, fuck Crash. Um, but yeah, I feel like after... So, like, mid-2000s and on, okay. it does seem like Best Picture winners were not as big of films. Yeah, sorry. The one last one that I am going to throw shade at, The Artist. Yeah. Who even, what? Yeah, so that was one, for people who don't know me well, um, I member of the LDS Church, I served a mission, so I had just started my mission in 2012 and that's when the artist won and so i remember just sort of finding out from people like oh hey the the oscars were last night i'm not allowed to watch them and yada 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 but what won and i found out the artist won and i was like oh what the hell is the artist (laughs) like i'd never heard of it and so yeah and then two years i get home and it's like oh do i need to watch the artist and pretty much everyone was like what is the? Oh, is that the best picture from two years ago? No. No, that is not something you need to catch up on. Who cares? Yeah. I believe it's like... a silent film. So, like, is it impressive that it was made? Sure. But who gives a flying fuck? And so uh, I say all that to say all this. This year, I keep looking at these different Oscar winners or these different best picture nominees. And I'm like, if this wins... 10 years down the line, are we still going to be talking about it? If that wins, 10 years down the line, are we still going to be talking about it? With that said, I know that Way of Water isn't going to win, but 10 years down the line, we're, going to we're be still going to be it. talking about Way of Water. We're still going to be talking about Top Gun Maverick. Mm-hmm. I could I could see us still talking about All Quiet. I could see us still talking about Everything Everywhere All at Once as well. Yeah. I can't see us talking about Banshees. I hope we're not talking about Banshees in yeah. 10 years. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to that in our next episode. But uh, for me, 
if uh, we've already talked about everything everywhere all at once, I think that is the movie that I'm hoping takes it just because mostly how weird it is. I think it's going to. Yeah. Spoiler alert. Yeah. I think Best Picture is probably going to everything everywhere all at once. Yeah. However, with that said, if All Quiet were to walk away with the award, I would I'd be, be so okay, with, okay that. with that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Sorry. That was a lot to say just to make <laughs> that little tiny point. Um, just was to... there anything else you wanted to say about All Quiet? Um, or did we pretty much cover all of the things? Real quick, uh, there were at least two times in this movie where I was looking at eyes and being like, oh, shit. Uh, the one kid with the glasses, mm-hmm. when he dies, one of his eyes is like bloodshot. bloodshot. And like, yeah. I want to say it was almost like bulged more than the other. And it was like, oh, damn, I hope that gets recognized in makeup and hairstyle. Yeah. That, oh, my gosh. And then the guy with the uh, fork neck, whose name we can't. (laughs) (laughs) Anyone who's seen the movie is like, oh, yeah, fork neck. That guy. (laughs) Um, But uh, one of his eyes, I don't know if he was blind in that eye or what, but, like, one of his eyes looked more fucked up than the other yeah it definitely was and so yeah that was another thing that i was like oh man the makeup on this like like i caught myself looking at teeth yo oh my gosh i had totally forgotten about that now i want to discuss um when they first are like enlisting i'm pretty sure paul's teeth are like pearly white oh yeah and throughout the film they get but i mean they're on a diet of cigarettes and nothing else yeah. but it's not just completely white and in the next scene and for the rest of the movie they're yellow it's like they get progressively yellower mm-hmm. so I'm sorry. by the end all of the teeth are nasty yeah and so just knowing like okay makeup and hairstyling people do the makeup and hairstyling and they're like okay so the mud on his face uh today are we filming two minutes after he stabbed the soldier or five minutes after he stabbed the soldier or six minutes after he stabbed the soldier. We're filming three minutes. Okay. Then I have to apply this much mud. Also remind me again, when he stabs the soldier is, has he been in the war for two months, four months or seven months? Because then I need to know how yellow to make his teeth, like all the different how much time since blank so that I know how to do the correct amount of makeup on whatever part of his body I'm working. What? Like, yeah. Um, which is so crazy because up until now I was like, dude, the makeup on Colin Farrell as the penguin and Batman, that's insane makeup. There's no way anyone's doing better makeup and prosthetics than colin farrell in the batman i i feel like that's like the only thing batman is nominated for that it has a chance at and i hope batman takes it and now that i've seen this i'm like damn it well and at face value you wouldn't look at all quiet and be like makeup and hairstyling yeah that is definitely something that i've and it's just as we've been talking about it and thinking about it it's like damn yeah that was a great job yeah. Um, yeah, I came into this episode being like, makeup and hairstyle was pretty dang good. But as we've had this discussion, I'm like, dude, that was next level, man. So, yeah. Do you have anything else to say? I feel like we covered it pretty darn well. I think so. I think so. Um, yeah. I wish they hadn't stolen those fucking eggs. Oh, my gosh. That's how Cat dies. Yeah. Is that everything for you? Yeah. I think that's everything for me. It has been an hour, so we've it's it's not like we haven't talked about this movie. We've talked about this movie quite a fucking bit. Do you have someone you want to meet? I had someone and right. I forgot who it was. Okay. We spend a lot of time on this podcast talking superhero movies and stuff, and this guy has definitely given a lot of effort and quality to super the the superhero genre but we're currently talking oscars and he's given a 
hell of a lot of quality to Oscar nominees. I want to meet Ben Affleck. That oh, dude is yes. such a grade A motherfucker, especially right now, because like so many people disagree with me. I think he has always been absolutely perfect as Batman. I am one of the only people who absolutely loves Batman versus Superman, especially the uh, legendary edition. Um, like, or is it? Le- I think it's legendary edition. I don't know, but the director's cut. Mm-hmm. I think he's phenomenal in that. I thought he was good in uh, Justice League, but I thought he was so good in Zack Snyder's Justice League. Um, I think the town is just ludicrously good. It's one of the greatest crime films ever made. Um, Argo? Argo is one of those movies that Another I've, Best Picture winner. Yeah, I've watched Argo so many times. Actually, if I'm not mistaken, I think Argo was the... Uh, so I, I was on my mission... Uh, during all of 2012 and all of 2013. And I think Argo won beginning of 2013. So I wasn't able to watch it until a year later when I got home. Mm. And it's so damn good. And I've watched it so many times since then. Holy shit. Um, I support this. Yeah. Uh, good choice. Uh, not a lot of people saw it. But Ben Affleck is one of those actors who has had um, history of... Uh, a bit of alcohol abuse that he kind of had to overcome. Then once he overcomes it, he goes and makes the way back. That's a difficult role to take. If you have the life that Ben Affleck has had, the dude does not back down from challenges. He's a phenomenal actor. He's a phenomenal director. He's a phenomenal writer. Like he's just, the full fucking package and we came so damn close to getting a Batman movie directed by, written by, and starring the man himself. Holy shit, that would have been amazing. Ben Affleck, if you're out there, if you can hear this, you are the fucking man and no one gives you that recognition and i oh my gosh if i could sit down with you i would love to just listen to your stories and your experiences also just a throwaway thing i mentioned this in conversation passing a couple weeks ago and as soon as i said it i was like i'm onto something big but uh right now with them like totally etch-a-sketching the dc universe i would love uh because uh, Kevin Smith has been directing movies for a very long time and he's been reading comics for a very long time and he's written several comics. I think Kevin Smith could do a phenomenal job of directing a Robin movie and then Ben Affleck directing a Batman movie and then their friendship could lead to like co-directing a Batman and Robin movie. I think that could be so fucking sick. So yeah, Kevin Smith, if you're out there, also, you know what? Kevin Smith is going to be my I want to meet them next episode. So we'll go into that next episode. Okay. I remembered mine. Okay, go for it. My person is Ashley Eckstein. She does Ooh. the voice of Ahsoka Tano in Clone Wars. Mm. We're currently watching Clone Wars right now. We'll do an episode on that. Um, I'm obsessed. It's so good. I previously was a very passive Star Wars fan. And that's putting it generously, I think. Um, But I've always made an effort because I'm married to Dallas and he is a Star Wars nerd. Yes. But we have been watching Clone Wars and I am obsessed now. And this has been my gateway drug into the Star Wars universe. And Ahsoka is at the helm of that. So if I ever got to meet Ashley Eckstein, I would fangirl so fucking hard. I have spoken to her before conventions. Of course you have. But here's the thing. She is so fucking kind to the fans. 
she is absolutely amazing as a human being. Like, just, yeah, another one of those grade A celebrities that, mm, yeah, like, so, so great. Yeah, Ashley Eckstein, I fully support this shit. <laughs> yeah, dude, like, it constantly breaks my heart how many people claim to be Star Wars fans, but then refuse to watch Clone Wars. Clone Wars is the best Star Wars. Easily, Fight me. Easily. Now, this is I will from, die on this yeah, hill. I have not seen every single episode of Rebels. We'll get there. Yeah, I'm more than halfway through. With that said, there's some amazing storytelling in Rebels. However, with that said, Clone Wars is still, so far what I've seen, Clone Wars is beating the life out of Rebels in a horrifying degree. Um, We're probably going to go watch more Clone Wars after we stop recording this. Oh my gosh, really? Okay. Oh my gosh. Okay. Um, I know the next two episodes we have to watch and <laughs> holy shit, if you're down to watch more. <laughs> um. Anyways. So with so, that being said, yeah. thanks for um, listening. We're going to go watch more Clone Wars. Yeah. And you should too. <laughs> do you have Disney Plus? No. Why not? <laughs> but if you do, go watch Clone Wars. Um. Yeah. Uh, something that I should really save this to another episode but it's my podcast so mm. um yeah you were a very passive star wars fan and i get it like star wars if you didn't grow up on it star wars really um uh it's a lot to chew on well it star wars is made to appeal to young children and if you didn't grow up on it once you're an adult it may not capture your imagination on the same degree. And so then, once you're old enough to recognize when dialogue's a bit clunky or things like that, it can be really difficult to get into it and understand what the hype is all about. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Star Wars is something that is always preceded by a ludicrous level of hype. Yes. So, yeah, when when someone's like, I, I've been loving Star Wars since the day of my birth. Can I show you Star Wars? Star Wars is definitely going to end, and you're going to be like, that? That's what? What? Why? Huh? Clone but Wars is now the thing I that's think... like, that was profound. That was amazing. That was well executed. That cinematography was great. Like, I feel like Clone Wars opened the door for me to love Star Wars. Yeah. I feel like I can now go watch the movies and have a bigger appreciation. Yeah. I can... Before you fall in love with the dialogue of Star Wars, you kind of need to fall in love with the universe of Star Wars. You can't fall in love with the dialogue of Star Wars. It's it's difficult. Um, but yeah, I feel like Clone Wars has helped you fall in love with the universe. And now you can more easily mm-hmm. ingest the, the individual stories that George Lucas brought to us. Yes. Um... So yeah. Sorry, that got real long-winded on that one. Yeah, like, but guys, thanks again, for listening, like, though. Give Clone Wars a chance, damn it. Um, um, if you happen to want to switch up the uh, platform that you're listening to us on, you can listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Amazon Music, and Google Podcasts. Yep, uh, we are still working on an Etsy store. Um, I actually came up with another design today. Spoiler oh, nice. alert! So. Um, yeah. Follow us on Instagram Follow at the Mm-hmm. We post really awesome stuff. Um, yeah. We love you. Thanks for listening. Oh, tell your friends. Share yes. us around. Yeah. Um, tell us what you. you think of these movies that we're posting about. Yeah. We love to hear yeah. other people's opinions. Oh, yeah. Uh, tell us. Um, if you want to like send us a message and just be like, here's my um, predictions for what's going to win what Oscars, then when we're doing the episode on just the Oscar nominees, then we can maybe read off like, and one of our listeners thinks that these are going to take it and another one of our listeners thinks it's going to go here. So yeah. We can, can post again as well. And you guys can submit 
Ooh, that's a good idea. Yeah. Maybe we'll do like a little like form that you guys can fill out. Yeah. And tell us what you think. Um, stay tuned for that. Yeah. We're excited. Happy Oscar season. Yeah, boy. Keep watching movies. Yeah. Um, is that everything? Yeah. All right. Well then. Love you. Bye. Bye. Bye.